0: Hello, everybody, welcome to the Spin Cycle Podcast, the podcast talking to personalities, the groups, and the brands that make uh, London and the UK an incredible place to be a cyclist. Uh, today, we've got someone around special with us who started a pretty, I think, really great incentive, especially. As we're all aware, very male-dominated space cycling and just an incredible movement and and force for change. So it's Sarah from London Academy. Sarah, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hello, thank you very much for having me.
0: So long-time listeners of the podcast will know that uh, we, we look to break it into three sections, right? So it's, you know, who are you, how do you get into cycling? Tell us about your thing so Sarah can really go into London Academy. And then it'll be our, our QA. Q and A. So, um, Sarah, maybe you can start us off. Uh, maybe who are you, and, and how did you get into cycling?
1: Hmm. Um, who am I? Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I so I'm the founder and team manager of London Academy. Um, it's something I do in my spare time and love doing. Um, and in terms of me getting into cycling, I I well I I've, I've been swimming. I've been competing since I was nine or ten years old. I used to be a swimmer. Um, I did that for five, six years as I kind of grew up. And I think I had a friend there that asked me to go and do a triathlon. I think we were both mm-hmm. kind of like not doing so well at swimming anymore. And we fancied a change. I went and did a triathlon. <laughs> I don't really like running. Not my favorite.
2: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and still isn't. And I don't plan to move into it after cycling either. Um, Very good. And <laughs> I think my, my dad sent me to the local club to cycle because I think he had a bike at the time Um, he'd take me down to the local club that's sort of how it all started um I enjoyed the cycling way more I did a couple triathlons and stopped um and just ended up riding and kind of thrown into local club stuff so doing time trials on a Thursday night going on a club run on a Sunday um and gradually got picked up by um a friend's coach at the time who was part of British Cycling um and very much thrown onto the british cycling talent team i was kind of i was almost too old for it so i spent okay. a little bit of time on that for maybe six months i got thrown on the track i didn't know what i was doing there's a lot of people there that knew what they were doing and i didn't as a 15 year old yeah. i was kind of very shy and yeah it's it's a big thing to go and do but um mm. yeah that's kind of how i started that and i just started racing started racing as a junior um and I've been part of lots of different teams and clubs ever since. So I think I was I was very lucky when I was starting out that I was put into a couple teams um that were headed up by Hannah Barnes and Lucy Garner. They were kind of the, oh, nice. the talent oh. at the time. And actually, I mean, yeah, big names that are still big names. Um and the teams were created around them. And actually a lot of people who were in those teams are still in cycling or still racing, which I think is great. Um <laughs> I'm very lucky to be given bikes and support at that point um and I kind of have moved through different teams as I've gone through uni and started work and that sort of thing so I've been I've been racing for 15 years now 16 years um which Amazing. feels like a long time <laughs> um <laughs> I'm coming coming out of the sport um but I, I start. I mean very much I started because my dad took me on to the local club which is kind of what I hope a lot of people have that experience of going onto a club and people teaching mm. them what they need to know at that age or any age really. Um, mm. and that kind of kick me.
0: So when you started racing, what was that like back then versus I guess maybe we're going into the next section already, but like how was it the kind of environment that it was specifically from, you know, racing against other other women and you know, the the scene that you have, how was it how would you say it's very different to it is now, really?
2: Mm,
1: the scene's just bigger now. I think they weren't there weren't as many races, there weren't as many people. For example, at a national series race, then maybe there were 60 of us. And actually the field was quite the experience level was quite similar across the whole of us. So we'd kind of there wasn't much of a split going on. Um mm. and now you can get up to 140 riders, and I think the split the 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 like breadth of experience and kind of uh, capability is is bigger which it's mm. like it's just a different it's it's gotten a lot bigger there's a lot more pe- women doing it i guess yeah it's it's definitely evolved since i was since it was 15 years ago i guess um mm. but i don't think the racing was just as good like i yeah. racing then and racing now like the same things happen the mm-hmm. same like quality of racer is there um which I think is really
0: cool I think it's an incredibly British thing the whole I know they do it in Belgium a lot but speaking to a few other people there's there's some very Britishness about it like people who do grass racing like that's a very British thing I feel or also like I think it was they still do it in Guildford don't they that Guildford crit race yeah let's talk did you end up ever doing any of those kind of like classic British races I know you said you've been racing for a lot of different teams did you ever kind of go up to that kind of that kind of um yeah so kind of I
1: kind of, i've raced pretty much most of the races in the uk i'd say over those years mm. um most and days. which is kind of a nice thing to be able to say like i raced the first ever tour series up in stoke that was a cool thing to yeah. do um hopefully it comes back on day because i loved watching it on tv That's um yeah. uh came lincoln didn't exist lincoln gp wasn't they didn't have a women's version when i was younger oh, but i came yeah. back and did it um maybe five or six years 2016 that's longer than that now that's that's eight years ago that's a while ago um but I did that then and yeah what else have I done lots of bits and pieces I think I guess like it didn't feel iconic I guess when I was doing it when I was younger because it wasn't that much it it didn't feel now it feels a lot more like that like sending riders to races now and being like this is what this race is about and that's how that's the status it now has. Is the cool thing. Yeah, maybe it didn't feel like that years ago. It was more like tour series was the exciting thing that was on TV that you could actually go home and watch yourself on, which was you know I was stoked yeah, at seventeen, great. eighteen. That was cool. Mega. Yeah,
0: that's mega. How did that's you? Okay. How did you? Um, how did you juggle being at university and racing at really high level as well? Then because a lot of people, it's an I either know. or choice, but it sounded like you were racing at the highest level, but you're also not to get too deep into it, but you are also operating at an incredibly strong cognitive level as well. Right. So there's only so many hours in a day where you can train really hard. Mm. You are also in studying, you're also working you're doing, how, how did you find balancing that? And, or how did you balance that?
1: I actually don't think I actually stopped racing at uni. Um, I had a bit of a funny thing where I, um, I, was, I was still riding bikes. I've always kind of ridden bikes, but I wasn't racing as much. Before I went mm. to uni, I applied for like the Olympic Development Programme, which was, I think is, it's called something different now, perhaps. Um, but mm. I went to selection camp, I didn't get on it. Um, and it kind of disheartened me a bit because I was about to go to uni. I was like, right, this is the year the fees change. I'm yeah. going, or I'm like, yeah. yeah, we are <laughs> the not waiting year. <laughs> it's happening. Yeah, we're,
0: the, we're the same age. My friends had that same conversation. <laughs> They're like, I'm not actually not going on a gap year because it cost me 20 grand. Yes. <laughs>
1: So I was definitely going and I, I wanted to go to uni. So that was the thing. Um, I raced a little bit whilst I was there, but I sort of fell out of love with it um, and kind of got coaxed back into it over a couple of years. Um, but I think as much as I was still training, I ended up switching back to triathlon, another weird kind of way back in that like, one of my best mates was a swimmer. This is quite off topic. And um, he was like, just come and swim again. Because I just wasn't happy with doing whatever I was doing with cycling. And I just switched for a bit and, Absolutely hated running for the second time in a row, um, but still did it and just threw myself into doing sport still. Um, but yeah, I think that still is a really valid question because throughout the entire time I raced, it's that constant battle of traveling up and down the country on a weekend and then going back in, at 9 a.m. on a Monday morning, you're back in work and your brain is just like fried. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah. And
1: it's how do you balance that bit and I think the, the only thing is I've realized you realize that you're like the mental capacity you have versus the physical capacity you have to like s- separate the two and be like just because I've had a really hard day at work and my brain has been working a lot it doesn't mean that I can't go and get on my bike and do something different so I think mm. learning to separate those sometimes just help me get out or like and also just have people to do it with that was a big mm. thing yeah
2: so when did you go from I guess racing to wanting to become a I guess a team manager, not to go too quickly into the next <laughs> section? But was there like a were you very much into I want to become a coach?
1: I've never thought about being a coach, yeah. funnily enough. It's never crossed okay. my mind as a thing. I guess cause like I'd always seen whatever career the career I was doing from uni and and working was very separate to what I did with sport and it always kind of has been two different things um I was part of a team called Bianchi Dharma in 2017 I think I joined um I was on that for three years and I kind of came in as the experienced rider um and I ended up kind of going into a team captain role within about a year of it and I loved it I think I kind of had that, the riders that were with us, not as (laughs) in, that's kind of funny. Um, I was it because like um, the riders that were in the team hadn't been racing for that long and they were new to it and they didn't know what was coming or like how to approach races. And there was kind of that magic thing of, I'd experienced quite a lot and I've been part of teams that I was very lucky to be given things and to be supported. And I really wanted to Mm. give that experience to these riders so i kind of worked with um david waters who was a man- team manager of that um to sort of help the women kind of find their potential and and get, give them a few nice free freebies and look after them a bit and make them feel like they were semi-pro and whether, even though we were going back to work every monday morning it was that mm-hmm. week away where you could feel part of that team and and like you were getting somewhere with it um but yeah i really enjoyed that experience and i think we had a really good few years that that team of us and we're still we're still friends now which is kind of I think testament to how well we gelled together as a team but Mm. I think that was that I didn't think about being a coach or anything like that I mean (laughs) if you ask me anything about numbers I'd never use a power meter I don't use a heart rate monitor I literally just ride my bike and I always have (laughs) done
0: nice nice amazing it's important to
1: like ride on fields and I think I will never touch a power meter I don't think um But it's like, not that I'm against any of those things. It's just like, it was never in my, my orbit. And so I've just carried on as is. So those things I haven't thought about as much, but yeah, that, that experience with Bianchi was a total kind of, I was sort of coming out of racing, I guess. It's coming out as in like, I wasn't really finding my place anymore. I was doing a lot of racing, but it wasn't really giving me the results I wanted it to because either work was a lot, lot. there was other stuff going on in my life that meant that training wasn't the thing that was always the most prioritised or maybe I was tired for it. So mm. I knew that maybe I was frustrated at myself that I wasn't getting more out of the racing. And I knew I wanted more, but everything else in my life was kind of pulling me in different directions. And that's totally okay. It's just yeah. like I was trying to find out where, if I was going to move myself out of racing at that level, and how I felt about that because I'd done it at that level for 10 years and it feels like a huge part of your personality (laughs) and you're like, does that just define me? And that's what I do every weekend, every summer. What, what do I do (laughs) instead? So it gave me like a, when I was at a race, I could focus not on me, but I could focus on the other riders and say, right, what's our plan? What are we going to do? So that then my brain just switched off a bit and and hopefully just let myself race and not worry about it. Yeah.
0: Amazing. Well, look, maybe that is a great segue for section two, so I can tell us about London Academy.
2: Welcome back, everyone. Sarah, how did the London Academy start?
1: Mm. So um, London Academy is a women's race team um, and we're pretty much all based in London. Maybe 90 percent of our riders are um the academy I guess it started because I wanted to create a team that I wanted to see so it was all the things that it's like a culmination of all the things that I've experienced seen had riders that I know experience things the good the bad things the kind of all the bits in between and how could I pull those things together and say this is how I think I'd like a team to be run nowadays um so I kind of just through that whole t- I think it's just it's it's been growing as it goes so like I have never run a team before right I've helped out yeah. with, with Bianchi and figured that and then suddenly I had 14 riders I think the first year and we were like right <laughs> how do we do this <laughs> what do we do um how do I support you and a lot of it is like what I've learned from the riders so from their experiences so I came in like when I was younger with my parents so that was very much shown to me and and they were the people that I went with um, it's very different now um, coming in at, at 20, 25, 30, 35. What's your entry into the sport? How does it? How is it different to what I've experienced? And the more people that I spoke to in London, which is a total melting pot of bike racers or potential bike yeah. racers, you learn so much from all of them and how they're experiencing the sport. And I've seen it through all the riders that I've been near to and, and around for 15 years of racing. Um, and then add on to that all the all these new people that are coming into it, and I think yeah, it kind of shows in the academy that well, I mean our riders are now from age sixteen all the way up to their late thirties. Um, Amazing. So like, yeah, I don't know how this goes back to how it started, but um, yeah, I think it's like <laughs> like I wanted to create something I didn't see, I couldn't see. Like teams have been run very much the same, I guess things have things have definitely come on. Like, think I'm not like throwing any shade on any other teams at the moment like it's things have come on but I don't feel like they haven't come on as quick as I expected over those amount of years and there's still things happening that I think I don't I don't this doesn't sit well with me I'm not comfortable Mm, with this so I'd like to change it and and find a way of doing things a little bit better and hoping that perhaps other people see that and and they take in like inspiration from that or or there's yeah. riders that gain confidence from knowing that they're the things that they should be sticking up for themselves with, or they should expect from their team. Like it's a, yeah. a lot of different things have kind of been thrown together to for me to try and create a team that I would like to be in. I guess.
2: Yeah. What kind of I guess typical things? Um, I guess would you say were like I guess barriers that were making you feel uncomfortable that London Academy are providing.
1: Um, lots of different things. Kind of, I guess a big thing that I guess has happened all the way through is is overpromising and under delivering, which yeah. I know is tricky. Like sponsors put out things happen. I get it. Like, and I am also like slightly away from that at the moment because I don't have lots of sponsors, so I don't have to manage loads of those things. So I get there's bigger pressures. But just having, as a rider, you're doing it as as a hobby. It's a serious, it's a very serious hobby at that point um and having that in the back of your mind of of things actually not appearing it's just it's not very nice i just felt that the right so the riders are the people we need if we don't have bike riders and bike races we don't have a sport and so i think we're not i don't think we're treating our riders as we should do we maybe think we are but actually i don't think we are (laughs) like so Mm. having the academy as a team that feels more like a community and a a collective of bike racers that will support each other, champion each other. And also they feel like me as a team manager, I'm someone they can go to and they can speak to me. And I'm open and transparent about how the team runs, how our finances will run, how I'm selecting people. And also like outwardly showing that I'm like that as well. So a lot of people come and speak to me about their teams or like what they don't like, not knowing what they're going to do next. Like I don't want to seem like this person who is just, just for the academy. It's like, I'm, I want to be a kind of non-biased voice um, that someone can come and have a chat to. And I think by having that openness as a manager and riders being able to come to me, it just fosters a much more, it's just a much better environment for the riders and perhaps mm. they don't feel afraid so I know that like riders won't tell their team managers they're injured or they're ill because they want to be selected yeah. for
2: something.
1: Like in the long run, that's just rubbish because like, that happens yeah. over and over again and that rider maybe continues to get sick or doesn't think that they can ever speak up. So And that might result in that rider not staying in the sport much longer because they have a few bad experiences. They don't think they're good enough. They get dropped from a few races and maybe that's their career in cycling over. And I wouldn't ever want that to happen. There's always a way to talk to that rider or to suggest a different race or to look at a different approach. And
0: hmm.
1: I guess I didn't say this at the start, but like, I think a lot of riders or a lot of people come into cycling, maybe get success very quickly or don't get success very quickly and are spat out of the sport. Yeah. They don't stay in the sport. And like, I want more hmm. women staying in the sport and finding the part that they belong to because there isn't just like, national series racing there's so much other racing and things and you might not even suit road racing you might want to be a cross racer or you might want to go do gravel but how do we get those people in and keep them in and keep them enjoying it um but yeah, I don't I don't know if we're doing that very well as teams at the moment like teams are very focused on just the fact that you're going to go race and you'll yeah, be really. up with your teammates every other weekend that live all across the country and you go do it and you know what it's been working for ages so like you know there's things that it about it that work i just don't know if it's like a long term solution to getting more women into the sport and making the the peloton at that national race strong like there needs to be a depth in the sport right so we mm-hmm. need to like move people like, through yeah. that system so they learn and they develop as a rider so that like 5 years down the line they're now at the point at which they can top 20 in a national series, it must have taken them five years to get there. But being on the academy or a team like it would have fostered that and helped them get there rather than two years in them going, oh, well, I've been dropped three times in this. Like, what am I doing in this sport? I'll go try something else. But their potential is still there. It just hasn't, like, been dug into and given the chance because they haven't hit it off straight away. Yeah. So
2: having, like, a a collective community... Is what yeah. you're trying to build within the academy
1: mm. and like do you I see, like i see it like in our WhatsApp and all that sort of stuff it's just people we support each other like even the little wins it's all that sort of thing cycling is a cruel sport where barely anyone wins <laughs> like you don't win that often yeah. i've like, <laughs> won maybe like three or four times so the way of being in the sport and progressing is by having all the smaller things to aim for and the smaller things to celebrate so those things are celebrated in our in our WhatsApp group and just seeing those little bits and stuff is just kind of, yeah, it's kind of magic.
0: Do you see that as the biggest change then from being a rider to being a team manager? Where when you were a rider, you were, you know, solely focused on your results, your preparation, your feeling and, and now kind of stepping up to not only a manager, but an owner of a team and quite, a, you know, important member of 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 the community is that the biggest change you've seen and is that the way you want to take the further change right kind of harmonizing all together and and just making everybody's on the same page and and that there is a competitive scene for women to race
1: yeah i think so i think like the uniqueness of me having raced i think the fact that i race is really important to being a team manager and because i've been in it and i know what it feels like to be in it and to feel it when it's good and when it's bad like so I've seen both of those things and then it's really funny stepping back like that's what I find the most like when I step back I'm like ah like when you're in there you can really really like bitchy about things and like really cynical about stuff and be like oh this doesn't work and that doesn't work and then when I step back I have to see like both sides of everything which just gives me a lot of balance in terms of like when I give advice to riders or when I'm seeing how other teams function. And maybe when I'm in a team and I see another team, I'm like, oh, I don't like that because they do it like that. But actually when I step back from it, I'm like, no, there's a really good value in how they do those things. But when I was like racing against those riders, I did feel a little bit like they're my competition. I don't see why they're doing this or that. And now I can kind of step back and have a more rounded view of it and hopefully put that back on the riders because realistically women's cycling right we it's there's this magic moment last year where i went to newark crit a newark gp one of the rounds of the circuit series was it guild maybe it might have been guildford as well and like i suddenly saw like i used to years ago um when all the men's teams there was like jlt um, Madison Genesis, One Pro all of that lot. Yeah. All had their team yeah. cars, like really fancy. When you're at a tour mm-hmm. series, like you just knew that they were like had this setup and the women didn't have that at that point. And then going to Newark, mm-hmm. Guildford this year, the women had that setup. Maybe it wasn't quite at the level that it was then, but
2: yeah.
1: I just saw it and I was like, ah, like we're getting there now. And it's taken yeah. what, like 10, 15 years for us to move into that space. But like at the core of it, we all have to like, all those teams have to work together a little bit to make, make that keep going, yeah. which means that fundamentally all the riders sort of need to get on with it as well. I mean, I'll talk about like competitiveness and stuff later. Cause I definitely have some like bits on how we do that, but yeah. fundamentally we all need to be getting on in that car park because that's yeah. where, that's where the future of the sport goes and how we like collaborate together yeah. to make it to that next level. Um, but yeah. It's, I definitely, I don't know, I was, I guess I was, as a, the things I experienced as a rider, I definitely take into what I do as a manager. There's certain yeah. things and ways that I was a racer that I want to make sure that my racers do the same stuff. Um But yeah, the bigger picture is just like, I can, I can see what like the bunch is like, I guess now. I can see like the depth or not the depth of it and where I hope that I'd like to see it. And I think it's achievable through just a bit more like education of riders and racers and how the system works. I think we can all get there. Um, but it works on not just team managers, it's on pretty much all of us to to do a little bit of it. Um, mm. yeah, and that, like I'll that's a big thing to influence. So it's just like, I just do little bits of it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like I just talk to riders
2: yeah. talk about
1: things. And we do little workshops and we do stuff like that. And like one by one, things change. It's not like I'm going to change something overnight. It's a thing that's been going forever and ever. But if I can make a difference to a bit of that and it can move forward and I can leave it better than I found it, then that's mm-hmm. great.
2: Very much a collective mindset change altogether, yeah. which usually takes time doesn't it oh yeah uh, trying to influence everyone uh I got talking about bringing it back into I guess London Academy um I found that something that's quite unique about the club is that you have a mentoring scheme how did that that come along and sort of what is uh, I guess a typical mentor kind of relationship like
1: yeah um so I've I've had a mentor pretty much since I was 15 so um Jenny who I met through the talent team um, program, we've kept in contact ever since, um, which has been a, a massive help to me. It was like yeah. it was someone I could ring up, who wasn't my parent, my friend, or my or like or a partner, and say, "Right, <laughs> this is happening. I don't know how to solve it. I'm about to have a meltdown, or I already have had a meltdown, and I don't know how to get out of it." And like Jenny, especially when I was younger, would be that she was coaching me in it really and just talking me through something and getting me to find that find the solution to the problem that i had nowadays i'd go with hopefully the solutions and we just like it's a much quicker yeah. less meltdown conversation um <laughs> but it, it's like it's really helped me i've always thought kind of there's so much knowledge in the sport and when riders leave the sport all their knowledge goes with them and like yeah. with the amount that i've like collected over this this long we shouldn't be letting that leave the school. Um, So, and the mentoring, I didn't think the mentoring program would kick off as much as it did. Like I put out, I asked a few people to start it two years ago or like, yeah. Um, so we're going into our second year of it. Um, and five or six people put their hand up and said, I want to try this. So I just put something out on Instagram and like we had a go at it. People were doubled up and they had quite a few mentees and that sort of thing. I tried to make it like, quite official i guess like i wanted to put something behind it that it looked like it was so i spoke to the guys at um the Cyclists alliance because they run a yeah. mentoring program for the professional scene which i think is ace um yeah. so i wanted something on the domestic scene that we could do and then this year another 10 people put their hand up and we have 17 mentors for 21 riders which is great and all those awesome. people are pretty much people who are racing currently um some of those some of the best in the country um and some of those are races that have kind of come out of the sport but still want to give back and yeah I I like I just like I love hearing the the stories that people tell me about what they've learned from their mentee or their mentor like they it Mm. goes both ways I think that's the most important thing for me it's not just that my riders are getting some advice the mentors are learning quite a lot about themselves as well and if those mentors are still in the, in, they're still racing, right? So like,
2: yeah. it's quite
1: a nice thing to have the influence both ways. And hopefully those mentors, if they move out of the sport, they will still do, they will still want to do that. Um, yeah, it's great. I mean, it's just kind of, I try and lead them to it. So it's meant to be quite like organic and I don't check in too mm. much. I have a bit of a, hand. yeah. we have a handbook. They've got something to refer to. Um, and I let yeah. them create their friendship or they'll go on rides together or go for dinner or something like that. And that will be how they figure it That's out. Um, but I think it's like, I wish we could do that across the whole of the UK. Like that would be great if everyone had access to that sort of thing. Like it's, I think it's super valuable for all of them. Um, and it's benefiting me. So I hope that it benefits other people
2: nice nice how many mentors do you have in the club
1: I think 17 oh wow which is quite a lot and all those people have put their hands up and said I want to do it like I like I was that's amazed pretty, at the response nice. on Instagram and you, I got DMs straight away like because and a lot Amazing. of the people I spoke to I know pretty much all of those riders some of them I hadn't spoken to but we'd raced together for years and we'd never picked up the phone or like never had a had a conversation at a race which is like super interesting to me because I knew that bike rider as a bike racer, not as a human in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it's yeah. Cool to have those chats and a lot, pretty much everyone said that they wanted a way to give back. And this was the only way they could see that they could actually make a difference. There was no, they, they, this was the opportunity that they they could see to actually speak to someone and actually help someone because of mainly because of their experiences and not wanting someone to trip up the same way they did and that sort of thing. So that I guess that also reinforced what we're doing with the Academy and that there are things that are a little bit broken and not really working as well as they should do.
0: So, Sarah, how do people join London Academy? If people listening to this podcast are keen to start racing, what does that process look like? How do people... How could people get involved?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, so we... We have an application process that will open each year. Um, it will probably open around August, September time. Um, and that's your usual entry onto the team at the moment. I mean, we retained 70% of our riders this year, so we didn't have that many spots,
2: <laughs> which is a pretty
1: cool thing to be able to say. Of course, the um, of a good club. Yeah. Um, but that's kind of easy. how it works. Like, I guess every cycling team is different in how they do things. I think more and more people are doing application forms, I like that because I can find a little bit more about out about a rider, not just what their results are. Yeah, I care yeah. about way more than just what their result was for the last year or so. Um, yeah, and what, I just want to know what they can bring to the team and what person like what sort of personality there is there too. Like because it's really important that I'm putting together a bunch of riders that get along. Um, but yeah, at the moment that's the way, main way into the team. Um, I don't know whether in the future that will change in terms of what I do. Like, will it become more of a community and then we have a race team? I don't really know. I think at the mm. moment I'm working on the riders that I have and, and where they're going.
2: Sarah, uh, what sort of safeguarding do you have at London Academy?
1: Um, yeah, so Obviously I mentioned earlier that we have like junior riders as well. So I kind of in terms of that's a really important thing regardless as well as having that policy. Um, but we have a welfare manager, one of our mentors actually is our welfare manager, um, Lauren, who's been in the Crazy. sport just as long, if not longer than I have. <laughs> um, and I mean, yeah, as as long alongside we have a like a rider agreement. I don't call it a contract, it's more of an agreement, yeah. it's more of a kind of a friendly, yeah. friendlier term, I feel. Um, and I ride a handbook as well this year. So I've been wanting to put a rider handbook together for years. I all wanted one when I was on, on Bianchi just to have like a yeah. bit of a how to guide mainly to yeah. save myself time,
2: <laughs> and yeah. then I
1: wrote it, and then I everything just says refer to me, and I'm just like oh, shit. like people <laughs> <laughs> really like, like, keep asking me questions, and I'm like ah, that's because I said you could ask me that question, um, yeah. I should have referred to someone else. Um, yeah. But yeah, in terms of that, I think it's one of those things. It's funny with a team because it's not a club, so with a yeah. team in terms of how you register a BC. Um, it's changed a little bit now, but when I registered three years ago to be a team manager, I literally just got it put on my license, and I was a bit like, "Huh, how do I do this? What What are the things that I should be held accountable for?" Or and that panicked me because I was like, "Ah, I've mm. got twenty riders, and I'm not trained in this. I I like my job is totally different to what I'm doing now um, with this team, um, and I kind of wanted more of a framework. I wanted a bit of like accountability for myself or something." also that could protect me if anything happens. I guess the main thing that I had at that point is that you could. there's a compliance team at British Cycling that can be referred to mm-hmm. and should be able to support and help. And that's my main point of port of call, really. Um, but yeah, it's a funny one, really, because clubs, I guess, have more of a structure. And for a team, there is no blueprint. And yeah. maybe there should be. I, th- I kind of think there should, yeah. um, especially with the fact that riders are given things and, like, there's money, there's things paid for and races paid for and there needs to be something. I'm sure every team has an agreement and a, and a contract. Um But, mm-hmm. yeah, it definitely... I definitely got midway through the first year and thought, huh, how, does, <laughs> how do all these things work? Should <laughs> someone be asking me questions about this? Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a funny one.
2: Yeah, it's that, yeah, crazy. It's, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy there's no, like, set structure it's just mm. make it up as you go along <laughs> yeah. which is not not ideal uh talking about uh I guess you know as you mentioned like sort of races and competitiveness what are the I guess what does the woman scene look like currently compared to I guess we'll go with how does the the current I guess female domestic scene look and then how has it progressed from the last mm-hmm. 10 years I think
1: everyone gives it a bit of a bad rap at the moment And I can't quite get my head around why, because there's a lot of racing on. Like we have, we have, um, we use Spawn to organise and put all our races on just so I can see what everyone's doing. It's a real simple way for us to do it. And there's bloody loads of races on there. Like there's so, like everyone keeps adding them on. Like there's so much racing on. And um, I think there's a constant thing of there not being enough national series races or especially for the men. There's not uh, like UCI level racing in the UK. Like I get that there's a, yeah. and we haven't got Tour Series. Tour Britain is a thing that's coming and going. Yeah. There is something in there that's not working, and hopefully will be resolved. But if you're a race, if you're a female racer in the UK at the moment, there's so much racing to do, and like hopefully there's so much exciting racing to do. Like just because there's only six National Series road rounds and there's maybe eight circuit rounds, that's that can fill your calendar pretty easy but there's also national bee races and there's region lay races and like they can be really great and I think um there's enough races to fill those races like yeah. and have a really good time doing it so like um that's why I think like that education piece is really important that people know what other races they can do um and go and get involved in because I mean even in London like you know like there's I think a couple of years ago, there was like a race on every single evening that you could do. There's a crit on every, pretty much every evening. And it's just, I think there's a, there's a bit of an imbalance in like the supply and demand of races that we're not quite hitting. There will be a sweet spot that we'll hit at some point. But um, yeah, I think the racing's exciting. I find the domestic racing scene exciting. Like there are, for example, the British Continental are now reporting on it a lot more. And yeah. They had a, they have a team guide, which is, like, so cool.
2: Like,
1: That's I would have cool. loved that. When I was younger, what if it, like, it said that I'd transfer from this team to that team? Yeah. Like, when I posted it in the WhatsApp, everyone was, like, dead excited that their names are up on this thing. And, like, these oh, are all nice. new races that That's have I've never it. experienced this. Yeah, it's ace. That's and, great. like, reporting on that and having, like, live race, proper race reports and saying, like, there are rivalries and there is stuff going on. Like, there definitely is. I just think we're not talking about it enough.
2: Do you talking of rivals? Do you have a rival team? Or is <laughs>
1: um, do we have a rival team? Do they,
0: do they know who they are?
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know who you are.
0: Sarah's not answering that question. You know who yeah.
2: you are. noticed right now.
1: <laughs> I'm sure, I hope there will be, though. That's the thing. That's what oh. I want. That's what I want. Like, you want it, right? Because I even. One of the things I was saying about competitiveness earlier, right? So when I go on a group ride, I ride with men most of the time because I pretty much have done the entire time I've been yeah. cycling. That's the norm for me. Um just because of how I've come through the sport. And sometimes when I ride with women, we stand on ceremony too much. We don't like, we don't do what I do on group rides with, with boys. We don't try and kick the shit out of each other, basically. <laughs> we just don't. And like I was on a group, like literally I'm swearing quite a lot. Um well, I was that's on a big ride with, I took some of the academy out the other week and I was like, right, like I don't want them to just like all roll up at the same time at these climbs. Like if you want to have a go, go and do it and don't be afraid to do it. And I think like that's the more we do that, the more then in a race, you've got to be like that in a race, right? Like we're racing, yep. you've got to have this yeah. bit of aggressiveness and a bit of like, I'm going to have a go about you. And if we can't do it on a training ride, like, I want to, that's, that will hopefully help a little bit when you're in that race. And then we will have rivalries. That'll be fun. Right. But like,
2: yeah.
1: we want a bit of that, like for trash, for example, what do you want that? Like, the yeah. lacquer, you know, there's, yeah, and I, I want more of it because it makes the scene. So it's so much more exciting. Um, it doesn't have to be bitchy and like that sort of thing. It's just like, we're racing bikes and like, you know,
2: in my, in my mind, every group rides a race. I've never (laughs) raced in my life, but I'm like the the way that that everyone sets off usually and how fast and hard it always is. Someone will there's always one person. If you don't agree on like the pace from the beginning, you just know it's gonna be a there are rules though. Like part
1: of me there are rules. You gotta like there's still still, like etiquette behind it all, right? Yeah. And if you lose that bit then you are like then it goes into chaos and someone's you've left someone behind. But yeah, there's like there's etiquette.
0: I think we can give a second shout out to our friend. If yeah, sorry, if you'd like to go cycling with someone, a, a, a woman that will kick the shit out of you on a bike, you should go cycling with Harriet Kefford. Harriet, <laughs> do you, do you, if, I don't know if you know her. We
1: do know each other. We do know each other.
0: Yeah, there you go. So I don't need to. I don't need to do that connection. Hi, Harriet. <laughs> Hi, Harriet. Second shout out this month. um I have a question for you about the racing calendar. I know you're saying there's a lot of races going on. How do you choose where to send members of your team? How Do you do, you do it on ability? Do you do it on location? How, how does that kind of work for people?
1: Mm, so there's only a few races I actually have to select riders for. So that is actually like, there isn't much of that within the team because really... We're probably not going to field more than – there's only an eight-rider limit when you go into national series. Chances are I'm not going to have more than eight riders available or I feel are ready for that sort of race. Um, But we do – so I do a a workshop at the start of the season to talk through everything that's on the calendar, pretty much. And I talk through what it means to be a regional A-level race, a national B or a national A, and sometimes those things merge and I talk about, like – what sort of rider you'll usually get there, the the terrain, that sort of thing. And so I encourage riders to have a calendar that's mixed. So they, for example, if they've never done a road race before, then we're starting at crits. And then we might, by the end of the season, get a regional A race in, and we might go and do a team cup, perhaps. And if you've been doing team cups a lot, where can we stretch to? So is there going to be two national series on your calendar that you might want to go to? I think that I've got a lot of riders, right? There's 21 of us. And that's quite a lot. Um, I think it, it kind of almost looks like too much. But our riders are split across all those levels of racing because mm-hmm. the idea of the team is you kind of move through, and you might not you might have only done a few road races when you started, but maybe three years down mm-hmm. the line on the team you'll do your first national A race. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how we do it. And we're all London-based, so I think there's a few things that I want to target. So there'll be a few like Hopefully Trash put their summer slam on. Like, I want us to have a lot of people there. There's the Via Crit. Yep. like we'll show up to that. Um, and yep. then a big focus for us is Team Cup. So the Team Cup series, it's been going forever. And it gets a bad name sometimes, but like it's a re- it's a national B level race. And it's like it's as a series in a series. So the teams compete against each other for series points, but you also get BC points. And um, oh, nice. the magic of it is it's kind of you can actually because the courses aren't super hilly um a lot of the time it stays together or there's a chance for it to stay together which means teams can actually work together so you can actually try team tactics you can actually have a go at okay. something and like, where do you learn that otherwise if you go and rock up to a yeah. national day chances are you're holding on for dear life there's only a few teams <laughs> yeah. that can really pull that off yeah. Yeah. just because of the standard <laughs> of racing so where do you learn it you learn it at team cup. um so a big focus of ours. We came fourth last year overall as a team. This year we're going for top three. Um, nice. So, yeah, it's like, Love and it's a fun it. thing to do and be like, where do we score points? How do we do this? How do we make sure that four out of six riders are point scorers each time? And mm. it, it allows the riders to get to know each other better because they can trust each other and play to each other's strengths. And I allow them to kind of do a bit of that planning themselves and just like see how things play out um yeah it's quite fun
2: do you think that the pricing of racing is sort of fair for what you think you're paying for or do you think there should be like cheaper alternatives to I guess entry level
1: it's a good question having had most of my races paid for because I've been yeah. on teams, oh. really <laughs> unfair question it sounds really
2: awful
1: <laughs> 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 I've been very very lucky to have a lot yeah. of that but so, having said that, I have paid for a lot of races as well. But um, I think I'm sometimes surprised at how expensive some of the local crits and stuff are. Sometimes I get surprised at that. I kind of understand why. Um, I'm seeing it now from more of an organizer point of view as well as a rider point of view.
2: Yeah.
1: What I would say is that I used to hate paying thirty quid to do a road race sometimes, but then I was almost also like my attitude was that if I pay 30 quid to do a road race, I'm not just going to sit in that bunch for three hours. I'm going to do something. I'm going to have some fun with it and I'm going to learn something. And if I attack, it doesn't work. At least I've done something. Yeah. So like, I guess this isn't really asking, asking, answering your question. (laughs) I kind of understand why races are so expensive nowadays. Yeah. Um, I'd hope that at some point the whole thing is subsidized a bit more. And that's why, like for this year I'll be paying for national a series and team cup entry for the team that's where the main bit of our money is going um, because that's an important bit to put it into um but yeah i think it's making the most of what you're doing with that race and also being selective on what races you're doing so that you're kind of you don't need to over race a lot of the time i think some people think you have to race two times a week every week It tires you out (laughs) (laughs) if you hit june you'll be tired (laughs) yeah
2: (laughs) I think we don't have anything.
1: Um, But yeah, I think I don't know if things are going to get any cheaper. That's the problem, right? It's probably
2: going to get more expensive to race. Um, Yeah. Do you think there should be, uh, I think it's in Belgium where you have like licensed racing and like non licensed racing. So people could just like turn up and just give it a go rather than be like, I now have to commit to what I don't know how much BC license is. Is it like 30, 60 quid, something like that? I I think I was
1: 90 quid this year. It's a bit of a. Yeah. Yeah. I think. They do, we do a bit of that. So you can do some go race stuff and you can buy licenses on the day, which means you yeah. can try it out. And I think there's just not, there's not a load of it around, but there is some of it around. Um I think some of the series, there's a series up North called Women Race North and um, that Heather Bamford runs, or Bamford. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think they, if you sign up to the league or to all four or so races, you get a discounted entry. So that's great. Like those sort mm-hmm. of things. And, and actually Team Cup are doing, I've got some funding that can help got i remembering all these things out. Um, Team Cup have a fund this year where they can subsidise entries as well. So there are like little pots of help in places. Um, yeah.
0: Well, look, maybe with that in mind, we head to section three and uh, Q&A with Sarah. Welcome back, everybody going to go through our Q&A round with Sarah and also, Sarah, to, to kick us off, so you're a London-based cyclist. Uh, what do you believe is more pro, do you think? Is it Richmond Park or is it Regent's Park?
1: More pro is an interesting question. Um, <laughs> you get the same standard of what I think people think are pro at both those parts. Um, I'm going to go Regent's because I don't go to Richmond. Um I also hold quite a lot of qualms on the uh, clockwise regents, so I'm going to go with regents.
2: <laughs> I love a clockwise regents.
1: I mean, I only go clockwise. I never go anti-clockwise. There's too many people. Um,
0: mm.
1: No, nah, Steph. I don't know. I used yeah. I've always ridden there, and either with Fifth Floor or kind of a start. Yeah, when I first came to London, I started riding there with Fifth Floor and what was Romance at the time as well, and. It was fast, like we rode fast. <laughs> Look at it now and I'm like, well, how did I do that? And how is it safe? Um, <laughs> I don't think it's particularly safe. Um, but um, yeah, I mean, I mainly go to, because it's a thing I can do in the morning that's social. And I can go for a coffee afterwards and then work is quite is a bit more palatable for the rest of the day. Um, but yeah, you, you get all sorts of regions, don't you? <laughs> it's not you going do. on there. Yeah. I mean, I'm currently going around there on my actual winter bike with panniers and proper mug guards, which you don't see much of. So, mm. yeah, and I think we need to see more of that in the winter. And I, yeah, I get a lot of grief for my pannier rack, but you know. Oh, of who? I have one I ride with. I get it all the time. Like, and <laughs> I put it on your bike. I'm like, one, it's useful and I use it. Two, when summer comes around, I'm on a really, really light bike just you Di- wait, the difference
2: you know? the difference
1: yeah
2: so uh after riding um what are your favorite i guess cafe spots they can be in london outside of london um mm. oh, I'm gonna you like
1: about my, i've got a good local one um i roll yeah. out i live in southeast london um i roll out usually through beckenham into kent um and, Fee and brown are in beckenham and they're my fave um, I kind of met them, the guys in lockdown. They ride bikes a bit too. They let me take my bike in. Nice. And they have. I'd say they've got the best banana breads
2: Ooh, in London. I what, what makes it the best?
1: I don't know if it's just because you get it with jam and butter. There's not Ooh. many places that you get jam and butter, but I guess that's it's good. like quite a close rival. I think to caffeine. If I was at Effingham Re- Regent's, it's probably I'd probably go
2: to caffeine. Nice, um, nice. Do you or I prefer, just like, anywhere
1: uh... that's a decent pastry,
2: you know. <laughs> yeah. Do you? Do you like a cafe mid like mid ride or is it always at the end? Or do you I've this,
1: I've literally had this discussion with someone lately, and like <laughs> we're very much in disagreement on this as well. I'm more of an at the end of a ride. I would rather, especially in winter, I'd just rather keep moving. But if I'm gonna yeah, have yeah. a cafe stop, it just has to be like minimal faff. Like we're not there for an hour. We're there like to just have some food and leave because I'm just not that great after. Like I'm kind, My cafe legs are not that great. I'm better off just keeping going, I think. Um, but yeah, I've had that debate with someone recently. and we, we definitely disagree.
2: I think in winter, at the end, makes sense. Yeah. Because if you don't want to stop and just go home because you're too cold, you can do that. But in summer, I always run out of water. So I'm like, mid-stop's fine.
1: Cause I, I have a lot of snacks. I take a lot of snacks yeah. with me. I think a lot of people, do, like, I don't get this. Because I've just, ever since I've been riding, I always have too much food with me. I will always bring things home. Like, that's just, I, I'm always overstocked with food someone else might need it. Um, so, like, my my need to stop is therefore less because I've yeah. pretty much always got what I need. Whereas yeah. oh God, I'm the other way around. They don't take, take anything with them. And I'm like, what I'm the, <laughs> I'm the other way around.
0: I'm the other way around. And that's a hill I'm willing to die on. I'll, I like, I told NJ about this. I went out on my bike and I only needed one bead on full of water. But for aesthetic reasons, I took out two, you know, one was empty, one had water in it and I took out, and then I only put one on there that had, that was empty. So, and then the only gel I had was a caffeine gel that has more caffeine in it than a Red Bull. And yeah. I'm, I'm like, willful. I'm, I'm underprepared. And that's the kind of the chaotic energy I don't really care about as well. And I don't stop midway. I wake up in the morning. I got diamonds in the legs. I'm flying. As soon as I stop, I'm like, I'm looking at the nearest train station I want to go home I want to get off the bike I'm I'm I hate stopping
1: this is the toxic bit of the sport that I don't like. <laughs> you just explained wow. everything I don't want to go on a group ride with is you. <laughs> <Just laughs>
2: well, I... wow. you've led us straight into the next section is what do you dislike about cycling? <laughs> <sighs> it's Cam. It's just... <laughs> yeah, that's
1: it. That's it. <laughs> we're done there. Um <laughs> what did we say earlier? We were saying something earlier about this. I can't remember. Um what do I dislike about cycling?
2: It could be anything. It could be something so small that you, like Cam hates oversized bully wheels.
1: Oh, I just talking about what's what's chat. Oh. I switch off like instantly. Right. Mainly because I just don't know what it means and stuff, but I just off instantly. <laughs> um it's the way to completely bore me. Um what else do I like? I just I don't like the, the lack of use of winter bikes. There is a time, if you can afford a very, very fancy summer bike, you can definitely afford to have a winter bike. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, like, <laughs> you, can, so, you don't need so, to be that so expensive. Still so looking good for you, Cam. Um, <laughs> We're not going to be friends. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> On a more serious note, what do I dislike? I I would like to see more women running teams. I dislike that there aren't enough women running teams. That would be one of my things. I hope that by me doing it, um, makes other people think that they can do it as well. That would be really cool
0: to see. Nice. Um, so you might not know about this about this podcast, Sarah, but um, I'm a fan of the white bib short. Which, again, is a, is a big red flag for other cyclists. I don't do myself any favours, to be honest with you. Um, where do you see yourself within the, the solar system of white bibs? Are you? Would you ever consider them? Are you a fan? And, uh, yeah, how do you feel generally about the white bib short chat?
1: Incredibly impractical, for starters.
2: Mm.
1: Mm. Um, there's a time and a place and a person for it. Like, there is. <laughs> Whether I want to specify what that is, I, I don't think I do. <laughs> but like Yeah. So sorry, so are you like pro wearing white bib shorts, just to be clear. Is that your
0: Yeah, I own a pair. I own a pair. Oh Jesus. I once wear a really full white outfit. Stuff, yeah. I, I once wear a full white outfit to Regent's Park. White long sleeve, white bibs, white aero socks, white shoes. Yeah. And then I went, and then I went clockwise around Regent's Park. And then everybody going anti-clockwise. like clockwise a flyby. <laughs> that was actually the first time I met John from Trash Mile. And he was like, <laughs> I could just, I could just tell, I was like, hey, do you want to, hey, how you doing, man? Nice to meet you. Yeah, we kind of know each other for Instagram. And then I could just tell, he was looking at me like, what the fuck is going on here?
1: Yeah. <laughs> There's a time and a place though what i think is fun which i'll call out for for albion racing so i race i ride and race with albion racing this these last couple years um kind Mm -hmm. of a collective of friends that race bikes a bit also don't really race bikes which is quite a nice space for me to be in but um through summer last year i mean the boys just love getting hold of old pro team kit i mean um, which is quite sweet of them um (laughs) and so there were some fridays where we'd all come out in our or well, they'd all come out in their pro kit which i thought was pretty fun i just came out on my old team kit which i thought was even better but um, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, that's
0: my, ne- that's my name that's my name stitched on, something... the, on the neck
1: <laughs> there is something fun about that i don't go as far as white bib shorts though no i'm gonna hard no on that
0: very well <laughs>
2: uh and then finally on the the q a section uh do you, what would you prefer to watch cobbles or mountains and what do you prefer doing cycling wise cobble or mountains
1: mm, i haven't ridden in the mountains enough actually i haven't really at all that's on my like list of things to do um i've won a bike race on cobbles so i think cobbles will, will...
2: that's it casual yeah that's my that
1: i do it's um, casual. Just, well, this is one of I'm getting all my highlights since <laughs> there's like maybe three <laughs> entire 15 years. So um it rained though. I think that was the best bit. Like I'd attack, I'd, oh. uh, I had mean, attacked, I was 17. Like we were in Belgium um and I, I, we, I attacked. And then it started chucking it down. And I had all these Belgian men yelling at me to like, can't like slowing me down. So and I was like, I do not need to deck it. But also like everyone had to back off. So it really gave me an advantage of being out front solo. And my dad got to see it. My dad was there. He drove me and two teammates oh, amazing. to Belgium. And it was amazing. pretty cool. And there's like, that's, that was pretty sweet. And then we got like, um, Han- both the Hannahs came second and third. So it was a pretty special day.
2: What was the race called? I don't know. <laughs> some,
1: <laughs> some junior race out in Belgium somewhere. I, don't, I couldn't even tell you why it's, it was.
2: Just because all these races have like amazing names.
1: But the, you know what? We were talking about now. We were talking about race entries earlier. When you got race over there, you like sign on at the local pub. They close all the roads. It's great. And like, no matter where you could, like, there are prizes down to 40th. You get like five euros back if you come 40th. So you get like quite a bit of your entry back, even though you were maybe like in the top 30 somewhere. Which I think is a oh, pretty good thing.
0: I, I wish. That. Did you get um? Did you get any very niche prizes from like the local farmers' alliance? You know, some people walk away with like a big <laughs> ham or like some cheese or. I think Matt Stevens How was one saying know? he got a big packet of Boss Wipes, which are apparently like wet wipes from the 90s. He did like, I Boss Wipes as a sponsor of the milk race or something.
2: I think they got a uh, like a spit roasted wild boar at the uh, Ecuador Nationals the other day. I saw it all like no contact cycling. I was like, I, I don't know what's going on here. But it was like they literally brought it out like a whole pig. <laughs>
1: I like that um, at Sickle Classic, you just get a huge, like there's a sprint for a for a pork pie because it's Mountain Mowbray. So you get a huge pork pie if you win one of the sprints in the race, which I think is a pretty sweet prize.
2: That is a good um, prize. Yeah.
1: Yeah.
0: But so, Sarah, thank you so much for being on our podcast. I think you are an embodiment of be the change you want to see.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Why don't you tell us what's coming down the pipeline? What can people expect? And, you know, what can people look forward to with London Academy?
1: Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, our our race season starts in about four or five weeks. So it starts pretty early. Um, And we're all pretty excited about, about getting stuck in with that. And I think... Like, we'll be at a lot of races. So I hope that, like, if there's women listening to this that want to come hang out with us, come hang out with us. That's a big part of what we do. Like, if you're on your own, we're there. Um, but, yeah, race season starts soon, so we'll be really throwing ourselves into that. Um, there's a few more events and bits um, going on. So I I run – so, yeah, it's something I didn't – like, we – I try and do a bit more community stuff because if people aren't on – a lot of people don't get onto the team because there's only 20 spaces on the team. So how can I help the rest of the community get into racing? And that is through workshops or through skill sessions and stuff like that. So I did a few workshops last year called Bike Racing 101. So basically just learning the basics of how to turn up, what to do, how to enter, all that sort of stuff. Um, And I'm running another one of those on the 11th of March. They're online, so anyone can join. Um, There's a sign-up link on our Instagram. So yeah, I'll be running another one of those. I'll probably run another one in summer. Um and then we're having a launch, which I haven't haven't got round to getting exclusive here because I haven't even I haven't even spoken about this anywhere else yet. Um that's gonna be on the seventh of March. Um is it gonna be on yes, seventh of March Thursday. Um we'll have that at Via. Um so I'll be getting some comments out about that at some point. But it's just a nice way to kick things off, I think the traditional cycling launch nowadays is a bit like we go we look at the bikes you look at the kit you talk through the sponsors i'm not going to do that like i want to talk to some of our riders and just get people excited about racing and and the fact that we're going to be about be out there and hopefully have a good time doing it so yeah good chance to get together
2: but yeah that's amazing
1: I guess, yeah i've spent like the last like, it's a weird time where like i've spent the last few months just figuring out how we're going to run the team and then as soon as they race i kind of like kind of breathe a sigh of relief and go right get on with yeah. it <laughs> now it's your turn I've like set hopefully set everything up okay and then we just go go get stuck in and I get to go and watch them race
2: Lovely. amazing like, What are the, what's the Instagram handle is it just on Instagram that you're on
1: at the moment we only exist on Instagram that will change it's in the in the works I think it's that funny thing where like it's taken I'm learning as I go and it's kind of evolving as it goes so I'm guessing there are things coming. It just take, takes a while when you've got a full-time job alongside it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, one of my big things this year is to just have a bit more support, I think, for myself. I think um, to make these things sustainable and to make sure that teams don't go bust and disappear, the team management needs support and needs to have a network and yeah. I just haven't done that very well yet just because I didn't know what I was doing, I think. So, um, yeah, <laughs> there's more coming. It's just getting there.
0: Amazing. Well, Sarah, thank you so much for being on our podcast. We're going to link to the workshops, all of your socials. We'll put it all in the description of the podcast and on YouTube when we put this out and when we put this on Uh, Instagram similarly. But thank you from me. And Jay, I'll do that again. um <laughs>
2: recording this, no? Where are we? <laughs> where are we I was like, you've, never, you've never thrown
0: to me before. In you an really answer, went in, you're like,
1: like we're going to put this on YouTube, and I was like, "This isn't being recorded. Cool. This isn't
0: going in." I, fu- I, f- I fucked this bit up. All right. Cool. <laughs> yeah. fu-
2: I've
0: got a, n- I've got got a new ring light. Me, yeah, I've, got yeah, a new, yeah. r- I've got a new ring light, so I'm feeling all podcasting. Anyway, so I'm not wearing my. Gla- that's <laughs> also why I'm not wearing my glasses today because I don't want people to see I'm wearing. I've got a ring light. um <laughs> <laughs> Heavy as the crown. Um, okay, cool. So, sorry, you breathe for your nose, and I could hear. Anyway, um, <clears throat> <laughs> Sarah, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Uh, we've really enjoyed having you. We're, we're going to make sure we link to all of the socials underneath the YouTube, underneath our Instagram page, for where people can find. Uh, team releases the schedule you guys are on and and your workshops as well so uh, thank you for myself thank you from nj and everyone else we'll see you soon bye